Welcome to the Adventurous Podcast, inspiring conversations with trailblazing entrepreneurs about purpose, impact, and their incredible journeys of transformation. I'm your host, Genevieve Le Marchal. I'm a venture capitalist, a global health impact investor, and a serial entrepreneur. I'm also the head of healthcare at Expert Dojo, the fastest growing venture fund and investment growth engine in the country, and the managing partner of Suncoast Ventures. I've always done business to the beat of my own drum with love and my full heart, so expect that type of vibe here. Come along with me as we discover the transformational journey of entrepreneurship and the real hearts and souls of the people behind the journey and how they created a business of purpose and impact. All right, adventurers, let's dive in. Hey, adventurers, we're back for another episode. I'm so excited to introduce you to Blaine Bartlett. This is Adventurous, and Blaine is definitely a fellow adventurer. Him and I connected um, several months ago, actually, when I was on another podcast. I was introduced to him through David Meltzer, and we immediately discovered that we have a kindred spirit together, and I am so excited to show to share him with you. Um, Blaine, say hello to the audience today. Well, Genevieve, thank you very much for having me here. Hello, everybody. I am very much looking forward to this conversation. Wonderful. Before we dive in and learn all about, we're going to be talking about um, business, we're going to be talking about uh, money. And so that is something that um, is a topic that I know can be quite inflammatory for some people and quite fascinating for others. And so I cannot wait to have this conversation with Blaine. But before we dive in there, I want to tell you a little bit about family. Family helps you take control of your fertility journey. Couples are waiting longer these days to start families, and it's bringing some new challenges with it. With family, gone are the days of trying for months until you can visit an OBGYN about these fertility challenges only to be sent straight to invasive, expensive IVF treatments that often aren't even necessary for you. So Family offers fertility telehealth, at-home labs, customized protocols, and prescriptions as a fertility treatment solution before you go to IVF. It helps women identify and treat critical hormone imbalances, ovulation challenges that they aren't aware are impacting their fertility. So couples can take control of their fertility journey starting today with Family. Adventurous podcast listeners can use the code Adventurous, make sure you check the spelling, for $100 off your family fertility program. Find the link to learn more in the show notes and get the offer, or you can visit our website at adventurouspodcast.com. So Blaine, let's start off. I'd love to have you just share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background with our adventurers today. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's see. Where do I start? Um yeah, I, I guess the primary, I'll just look at the professional side. The primary focus of my work for the last you know, literally 40 years has been on leadership and leadership development. Mm -hmm. And I, the focus has been there because, um, yeah, it's it's not commonly understood, but leadership is about causing movement. That's what leaders do. They cause movement in organizations. Okay. They cause movement in life. Not many people do that with a great deal of skill. Everybody's always causing movement all the time. We can't not cause movement just by our very presence. Mm -hmm. But how do I do that with elegance? How do I do that with intentionality? How do I do that with uh, with a focus that is generative, that moves away from command and control and actually empowers others to come with me? So that's been mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the focus of my work. And I've worked all over the world. We've had offices in four countries for a number of years now. 
Uh, I worked with some of the largest companies on the planet, as well as startups. Uh, doing a fair amount of work in family offices right now. Uh, and this is going to, I think, dovetail nicely into what we're talking about today. Yeah, just kind of how is wealth actually leveraged for, mm-hmm. for a greater good? So the focus, like I said, has been on leadership. And uh, I've been doing it for 40 years. Uh, <laughs> and on the personal side, yeah, I've got four grandkids. Um, oh. I'm a, yeah, I am an adventurer. Uh, yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a pilot, a scuba diver, a skier, uh, fly aerobatics, uh, uh, just kind of fill in the blank. Uh, What's you know, a fly aerobatics? Fly, I fly aerobatics. Fly aerobatics. Yeah, loops. What is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, you do yeah. loops and planes? Loops and planes, yeah, loops. Yeah, I mean, wow. haven't done it for a while, but I was uh, you know, trained as an aerobatic pilot, and one of my very first flights was an aerobatic flight, and I got hooked. Oh, uh, wow. I, so I, my grandfather was a fighter pilot. And oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I yeah. I flew that. with him one time, not in, a, not, not in a jet, but just in a regular plane. And I get car sick, like in the back <laughs> of a Buick. So I was not doing so great. I appreciate your uh, skill set. I will not ride in the plane. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I managed to make a Navy pilot sick one time doing some aerobatics. Oh, that's actually. He was really, in the back really, seat. That's very commendable. Yeah, you had to try though. <laughs> he didn't think so, but that was another story yeah. entirely. That's cool. Very interesting. I'm a skier too. I've been skiing since I was seven. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah about, all the things. The same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very awesome. So I, we, you and I have had some conversations. We've talked about um, in the context of venture capital and the context of investing, the role of an investor, I believe, is to be a conduit for abundance and to create mm-hmm. abundance. And this requires people to think about money and abundance in an entirely different way. So what would you say to somebody who, you know, was maybe talking with you and clearly had some blockers um, to abundance, to wealth that were kind of ingrained in them, but they didn't maybe necessarily see it. I'm sure you get this all the time. Oh, so I'd love yeah. to crack open the the hood of your brain. What's going through your head when you meet people who have blockers and they are blocked? Yeah. And it's, it's almost always uh, a function of an internal mindset, a reified, I mean, it's, it's, it's an established and unexamined mindset. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is people will typically have one of three paradigms or you know, mindsets that are present. Uh, in in a number of different domains in life, but money being the most uh, yeah, obvious, yeah. it's you know there's either enough money, you know there's just enough, there's not enough, or there's more than enough. Mm-hmm. Now those three distinctions: there's not enough money, there's just enough money, there's more than enough money, informs how I actually work in relationship to money because it is a relationship. I have relationships with this energetic that we call money. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. uh, my mindset, my unexamined paradigm about money, which is typically learned a long time ago, uh, is there's, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. There's not mm-hmm. enough money or there's just enough money. Mm-hmm. My behavior is going to be consistent with that. And I will be attracting into my life circumstances and situations where I just get by. It's just enough. And mm-hmm. if I've got a poverty mindset, yeah, that there's not enough. Uh, in my experiences, that there's not enough. I'm going to be, you know, really um, 
focused on scrimping and saving and uh, not on generating, but on holding. And it's a contractive experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by contractive, I mean, there's fear yeah, involved with it. Yeah. And on the, the other side, it's more than enough. It's an abundant universe. Even when I look at my checkbook and it says zero right now, if I have that mindset, I know that it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my good friend Bob Proctor before he died, and you know, I, yeah, Bob and I knew each other for That's years. That's so cool. You? you knew Bob Proctor. He's just like, oh, he's, he's one of legend. my best friends. Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah, he was at my wedding. He, I mean, he was just mm-hmm. one of my dear dear friends. He would tell a story about you know entrepreneurs that he would be working with, and people would be saying, "Well, where do we get the money to do this?" And mm-hmm. Bob, with a twinkle in his eye, would say, "Wherever it's at." <laughs> and then people were like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> You get the money from wherever it's at because Mm -hmm. money is ubiquitous and it's ubiquitous because it's energy. That's all it is. Money Mm -hmm. is energy. And this kind of goes back to the whole notion of causing movement. Money is always flowing. Is it flowing to and through me? That's the question I want to look at. There's a lot of metaphysical concepts that you're Oh yeah. Discussing here. And (laughs) there, um, so for me, um, and many of the uh, people who listen to this podcast who do have spiritual beliefs about, you know, that lead us to being people of purpose and impact who are desiring to do something like that in the world. And, um, there, there's, a we, we seek, we want to know the truth. And many, many people have been led to starting to understand, like, wait a minute, it seems like every time I think about the thing that I don't want to have happen, it has happened. And if I think about things I want, they happen. Maybe my thoughts actually create something, you know, and that leads people down a rabbit hole. And almost everyone has that story. What about the people like you, the thing that's interesting about money is it is the most obvious feedback that you can get to the inner state of yourself. Like if your inner state is off, then the money you know, like the, the only more direct feedback that you could get is when the interstate is off and you, it rain, it pours rain outside, (laughs) you know, (laughs) your, your external situation is reflecting what you believe. What about people who aren't yet there with their kind of on their spiritual path and understanding some of those underlying laws and principles that are, this is rooted in? That's a great question. Um, I, I, I don't have to have a, uh, a metaphysical lean in order mm-hmm. to appreciate the fact that energy is move, uh, money. And, and, okay. and, 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 and yeah, everything in the universe is, is energy. I mean, yes. yeah, this mm-hmm. you know, uh, modality that we're using right now on Zoom, that's just an it, electrons in movement. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the desk that I'm sitting at, the microphone that I'm speaking at, it appears to be solid. It's not solid. It's it's actually vibrating. Everything vibrates. Now that's a physical and even emotions. Law. Even, even emotions, emotions vibrate. That was like emotions for me are when the I learned human that. beings' connection to spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that sense, mm-hmm. yeah, there's an emotional frequency. Um, and how I feel about something. Now this is interesting. How I describe something in my mind, and this goes to that mindset question. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. I describe something in my mind, not enough, just enough, more than enough, generates an experience in my body. And we call that emotion. Mm-hmm. It also translates into a state of being if it's been uh, habituated. So my state of being shows up in, in, in the emotional frequency. And how I describe something determines how I feel. How I feel drives my behavior. I don't have just, behavior doesn't just happen. Behavior happens as a consequence of, back up the truck here. 
feelings mm -hmm. that are in place that were caused, generated by a thought process. So, <laughs> excuse me. So when we start looking at it through that lens, I don't have to be metaphysical or even spiritual. <laughs> All I have to be able to recognize is how I'm thinking about something is generating as a cause an effect out there in my world. Mm -hmm. You can make and it very effect. logical as long as people believe that how you think and how you act, as long as people are actually willing and able to take personal responsibility and say how I think and how I act has something to do with the outcomes that I generate in the world. Yeah. And money is not exempt from that. Money and is not exempt is. from that. To your point, money is probably one of the quickest indicators of what's going on internally as it is within. So it is without, mm -hmm. and it shows up now that being said, what's interesting is I don't want to get caught by current reality and say that that is the way my life is. Yeah. My current reality is not in any way, shape, or form going to cause my future state, my future reality. And mm -hmm. this is where people get hung up, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, is that they will look at their current reality and, well, gosh, you know, I don't have money in my, my banking account. And this is where Bob's <laughs> admonition mm -hmm. about where's the money going to come from. Well, wherever it's at, I need to position myself in a way that allows movement to occur that positions me to actually be in a, yeah, in a receptive mode when money does appear. Now that sounds woo woo, yeah. mm -hmm. but that's essentially what we're talking about. Yeah. We think about it and that thinking begins to create a frequency state in my body. Then it's called emotions. I get connected. I start feeling as if it's abundant. And yeah. then I start behaving in that manner. And, you know, we, we could euphemistically say, fake it till you make it. <laughs> but that's yeah. essentially what's kind of going on here we just got to play with that notion and how that looks pragmatically gets really interesting uh, i did some work years and years and years ago um, around the question of money and uh, poverty structures uh, in mm -hmm. inner cities mm -hmm. and one of the things that we had people doing was uh when they went shopping and these were people that were on uh, assistance food stamps and that sort of thing instead mm -hmm. of getting the cheapest can of soup as an example mm -hmm. Find, you know, when you're shopping, get get the can of soup that is not egregiously overpriced, but it's don't go for the, the the store brand. Go for the name brand that has actually got a bit of a little bit more of a qualitative uh, experience associated with it. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as spending five cents more on a can of soup begins to shift the mindset. It does. I don't know if you've heard this book. So um, I'll share a, like a slight personal story. You know, I come, my, my mother was a single mother. She raised three mm -hmm. kids and I come from the land of just enough. Like, you know, we would eke by and we were always taken care of. And so I have and had a lot of that in me, which ultimately is a lack mentality because I didn't mm -hmm. believe I could have more than enough. I, I stayed in this one area and I always had just enough to get by sometimes maybe not quite enough but not enough like I had a threshold you know what I mean mm -hmm. like that oh, I was meant energetically yeah. operating at. and um you know but my grandparents were wealthy and I you know had other family members who did well um and so I knew that it wasn't necessarily the way but and I could actually feel that in me that something felt off. Like it wasn't yeah. like I had blinders on and didn't see like I was just born into this like I knew that there was something different, but I didn't know for a very long time. And so 
when I decided, um, you know, several, several years ago that I said, I'm going to get right with, I'm going to do the inner work in many ways. Um, and it wasn't originally going to be financial driven. I was trying to, you know, do work on myself in other ways, but I started seeing improvements in my career and other aspects of my life. And I thought to myself, this is interesting, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and so, um, when I, you know, realized that I had been given a gift in terms of learning how to become a venture capitalist at a young age. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this is a gift that I can either take and use, or it's a gift I can not use. Um, and I decided I would, I would use it. Um, I had to examine some of my beliefs that I had about, about wealth. Um, because I realized if I don't get get this clear in myself, I am now a blocker to abundance. And that is not my job. My job is to become a conduit for abundance. And so yep. I need to make sure I've cleared out whatever that is. And so I started taking courses um, and really diving in. I started reading books. And one of the, the principle about the soup can is something, yeah. this one book, I feel like I read it at the right time at the right place. It's called The Having. The Having, yeah, and the, I don't know if you've heard of her, Su Yun Lee, I think is yep, the author. Lee, yeah. um, and that book, she talks about that principle of in the moment that like when you're, whether you have a dollar to your name or, you know, whatever, in the moment that you are spending money, generate a feeling that it feels good and tell yourself, I have the money. So, you know, like, and and so now, I mean, like, obviously I can afford to buy the things I want, but like sometimes when I sit in a beautiful hotel, you know, and I'm on a business trip and I'm exhausted and I'm tired or whatever, and maybe I'm having a cup of coffee and the sun is rising and it's coming up over the, you know, looks beautiful. I'll stop and I'll say, I have the money to pay for this $10 cup of coffee in this hotel and to yeah. stay here and to have this egg sandwich or, you know, whatever it is I'm having. And I'll, and I'll soak that in. I'll be like, I have the money for this. That yeah. is remarkable, you know? And it's just this moment. It's like, it's not like gratitude, but it kind of is. It's just, it is. I have the money versus if I was staying in a like really scary neighborhood at a really bad hotel so that I could scrimp and save and scrimp and save and try to like stretch, you know, the budget as much as I could and drinking a really bad cup of coffee. Cause I love coffee. It wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be able to be like, I have the money to stay in this horrible hotel <laughs> drinking this awful coffee. You know, it, it wouldn't generate the feelings and, and it starts so small coffee. Yeah. You know, you know what, what's interesting, and this starts to get into the practical ways that I begin to shift my mindset, mm -hmm. um, that, that notion of abundance. Um, and this is, you know, what I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the, that whole, the whole VC area in one mm -hmm. sense, because as a conduit, typically, uh, well, I'll, I'll be specific here with you and specific here as as a, um, a VC, you know, doing angel and you know, whatever it is, you know, the way that you work with it, you you are actually setting yourself up as a center of distribution. Yes. Not as a center of accumulation. Mm -hmm. And I want to be real clear about the distinction there. Mm -hmm. Anybody that is looking on accumulating typically has got a mindset somewhere in place that there's not enough. So I need to have a rainy day fund as an mm -hmm. example, that, that sort of thing. 
that's not how the universe works. That's not how nature works. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always in flow. Nature is always in flow. It's always moving. Everything in nature serves as a center of distribution. And that mindset of, you know, kind of gratitude, noticing where I'm mm -hmm. at and, and acknowledging I am the kind of person who mm -hmm. can, can afford this and not just afford it. I can afford it with abundance. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't. Or it doesn't even if you can't afford, energy. even if you can't afford it with abundance, like even if you're buying a $10 cup of coffee and you're like really strapped and you know, <laughs> but you happen to be at a hotel and the coffee's 10 bucks, you bought it. You still have the money to buy the, money. the $10 cup of coffee. Yeah. And, and it was like kind of having that where it was like, well, yeah, you know, like we're on a budget and I can't yeah. like, you know, I can't buy this or I can't buy that. I have the money to buy this. And so one of the things that was a huge breakthrough for me was, you know, especially in the moments when I would feel really tight, you know, because also being a center for distribution, being a conduit, there are times when I'm like, er, where am I going to come up with this money? Like, it's a lot. It always yeah. comes. I it always, it always comes. comes. But um, as long as the purposes are aligned, like I've got to get really clear on what and why, but that, so that aside, um, like, for example, this phone, you know, so let's say, you know, we only have $10 in our bank account, we're sitting on the side of the road, and we're like, what are we going to do, you know, and um, probably what I would say is we would have to let's immediately change our mindset. Let's, we got to change our mind first, before mm -hmm. we go try to fix before we start a lemonade stand before we do anything, we're going <laughs> to yeah. get right in our mind. And I would say, Blaine, we have this phone. We have this phone. Um, and you know, this phone call, I don't know what an iPhone costs. They're expensive, you know, but like, let's say this phone was a thousand dollars, right? Um, I would say to you, we have the money to buy this phone. And this, and the fact that we have this phone in our hands is proof that we have the money. And because time doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that I bought this phone three months ago, or I bought it today, because I have the phone, therefore I have the money. And, yep. and so then, I'd start looking around and being like, I have these shoes. I have the money to buy them. You know, I just, maybe it's not my bank account at the moment, but I have it. And, yeah. and so kind of breaking that, oh, well, I don't have it now. And the number doesn't say, you know, is, is where I would always start with somebody who's in like an extreme cash crunch. And, you know, if that were us and we were sitting on the sidewalk and we didn't know what to do, we would do that first. And then yeah. from that place would come the ability to receive, we would shift we could start yeah. to receive and we'd be like, let's start a lemonade stand. And it would probably be the most poppin' lemonade stand on that block because, because we shifted, be. you know, and we were, we recognized I have the money. Yeah. It's here. Well, what's interesting about the way that you frame that is, and it kind of goes back to the idea that money is energy. That's mm -hmm. all it is. Mm -hmm. That phone is money in a different form than it would be appearing in my bank account, but it's still money. Yeah, it's, it's, here. Still, it's just it's money in a different form. It's energy in a different form. The shoes are money in a different form. Energy mm -hmm. is always transmuting. It's always transforming itself. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to really understand that what we're we are energetic beings living in an energetic universe, and the, you cannot outgive the universe. <laughs> you just can't outgive it. Mm -hmm. And it's always looking for ways to you know manifest you know greater things that's the nature of life is manifestation greater things greater good so when you start playing with that notion 
Uh, and I mean literally playing with that notion. Yeah, just laughing. I've got a very good friend. His name's Ken Honda. Yeah, Ken lives in Japan. Mm -hmm. And is Honda? I, I think as in like hard. Honda cars? Well, no, it, oh. yeah, he, he's not related to that family, but uh, yeah, Ken is the most published author in mm -hmm. Japan. Uh, he, okay. I mean, he's just wildly successful. His latest book is called Happy Money. And the, the idea behind Happy Money is exactly what you were talking about. You bless money as you spend it you, you, in, you know, or invest it or just move mm -hmm. it. You're mm -hmm. always blessing it. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's an unexpected expense, it kind of crimps you a little bit. That's fine. You just bless the money as it goes away mm -hmm. it, because it's going to come back. And that's part I of love the that idea of distribution. Of, I love the idea of blessing it because um, so I, one of the people, teachers that I learned from was Amanda Francis, and I'd love to have her on this podcast one day, but Amanda Francis, you know, we, we have all of these things that we have guilt about. And so like, maybe you're carrying a little bit of balance, balance on your credit card, or, or maybe you've got, you know, some bills or something like that. Um, or a lot of people are blocked about making money because they don't want to pay taxes. They're mm. like, oh, the government's going to take it all. Like, you know, and yeah. so she's, she's changes your mindset where you say, I, you know, I am thankful for the services of Chase Bank. <laughs> you know, or American yeah. Express for providing me the ability to, you know, use some money that I needed and that served me at the time. And, you know, I paid a fee for that service and I'm happy to pay that fee because that is the fee that I agreed to pay. And that's, I'm happy to pay it, you know, and yeah. it took, it takes off this guilt, you know, and same thing with taxes. Like, Hey, you know, I, I could complain all day about the potholes in the road and everything that's horrible, you know, but I could say, I, am receiving a fire department and there are police officers here and you know they've put new stoplights in and these are services and I'm happy to pay for them and start to that self-talk yeah takes away that stagnation and guilt feeling when you have to pay for things that you don't want to pay and because that ultimately blocks you from receiving money because now all of a sudden it's like, well, you're not going to get the money for whatever it is you need to do because there's a whole bunch of things that you don't want to pay for. So you're not a happy giver. Right. You're not a happy, happy spender. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it has so to be aligned. You want to have happy money in your life. You don't want to yes. have sad money in your life. You don't want to have angry money in your life. You want happy money in your life. Yeah. And, yeah. and how that gets created? Bless it. Just bless it. Yeah. It, it's interesting. So I'm curious, I don't know if you have a story to share here, but you know, everyone sort of had in terms of coming to these realizations, there's a lot of people who have kind of a moment or a time, a turning point when they started to discover, you know, whatever it was, but you know, people's journey with money and with, th with things like that is no different. Do you have kind of a time? Was there a moment? Was there a turning point where you said, this is not what I thought it was. It could actually be this whole different way. You know, when did you have your, your shift that was put you on a new pathway? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'd probably go back about 60 plus years to find that um, <laughs> because it's, it's, it has been with me for a long time. I, I mean, I grew mm -hmm. up in a lower middle-class family and, mm -hmm. and we always had just enough. You know, mm -hmm. you know, dad always worked and, yeah, you know, mom was a stay-at-home mom, uh, that sort of stuff. But we always had enough. So there's, there was, you know, I never had the the mindset of there's not enough. 
There was always just enough. And I think it happened when I was going into university, going, yeah, going into university. And I was, I had an opportunity to uh, uh, take advantage of a uh, overseas exchange program. Mm -hmm. And you know, my family didn't have the money to pay for that uh, or anything else, but it was something that I really wanted to do. And I didn't know how I was going to get the funds to do it, but mm -hmm. I knew that this really, there was just something that was calling to me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't not say yes to this opportunity. Yeah. So I signed up and um, now, and I do remember this, it was a $25 registrar, uh, sign up for your registration fee, or there was a fee associated with it, five, you know, $25, I think it was. And so I had to actually scrape it in this, mm -hmm. it was back in the late sixties, I had to scrape the money to, you know, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't, it wasn't just laying around, but yeah, I wrote a check mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, set it off. Then I forgot about it. I literally just forgot about it. Four months later, five months later, I get this uh, notice in the mail that I'd been accepted. And you know, it just kind of, there were two experiences I had. One was, oh my God. And then the other one was, oh my God. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a fair fair chunk of change. And mm -hmm. um, I, you know, there's an old uh, aphorism about, you know, there are two wolves that you can feed. One is the wolf of, you know, uh, aspiration and the other one is the wolf of uh, uh, fear and desperation mm -hmm. the, the challenge is which wolf do you feed mm -hmm. yeah and this is mm -hmm. you know mindset so i had both of those experiences oh my god i've been accepted oh my yeah. god I've been accepted. both wolves yeah both yeah. wolves mm -hmm. and i started feeding the wolf of oh my god i've been excited uh, mm -hmm. accepted and i got excited and mm -hmm. and it was fascinating to me just i never ever considered at that from that point that I wouldn't have what I needed to have in order to get what I wanted. And that's mm -hmm. carried on. And that that happened when I was 19. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a almost, you know, well, I won't tell you how many years, it's, it's a long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. But from that point forward, every time I've looked at my bank account and it hasn't had the number in it that I wanted, I've never worried about it. I've always had this now sense of belief, this now sense of certainty that it's always, it's already happened. I just haven't arrived. It's already there. It just hasn't shown up yet. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about it. It's always going to be there. You know, and that has never not been true. It's never not been true. I cannot mm -hmm. think of a single instance where that has not actually manifested itself for me. I've always had enough money to do what I wanted. Maybe not exactly when I wanted, but to do what I wanted and to buy what I wanted. And I mean, I've, 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 ne I've never found myself in a position of having to compromise that desire. Mm -hmm. And it was rooted in that experience. Yeah. The, and it was literally a choice. Which wolf do I feed? Yeah. You know, the thing about that too, is before I was feeding the proper wolf, you know, a long time ago when, you know, when I was much younger, I was feeding the other wolf of fear and lack and, and all these things. I still always ended up being taken care of and getting what I needed and things like that. And so I realized this journey from point A to point B can either be awful and I can be <laughs> miserable and stressed out, or it can be, I can be a little more relaxed about it because it's gonna happen. And, yeah. you know, and, and I started looking back over my experiences and realizing every single time that I needed some, whatever I needed, I always got it mm -hmm. somehow. And, you know, you gotta yeah. move your feet. You can't just like lay on the couch and, oh, you know, yeah. but like, oh. you know, there's, it always came. And I was always taken care of. And, and so that was my first step before then I could say, 
what if I could have more? You know, yeah. and that was heavily triggering for me. You can't have more. Oh my gosh, you don't deserve that. That's like, what do you yeah. need? Why do you need all that? You know, and I run yeah. into that with a lot of people all the time, yeah. especially in venture capital, you know, especially um, people I work with when we, you start talking about returns and you start talking about like, you know, various aspects of, you know, this is the carried interest and it's, you know, projected to be worth X. People immediately reject the money. Nope. Yep. I don't need that. I'm just going to give it all away. Blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, that's fine. You know, if you, if you want to you do that, yeah. you know, but it's, it's coming from the energy behind it is I can't rejection, 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 instead of I receive and I will, it will flow through me to whatever I decide it should yeah. go to, you know, nope, I don't need that kind of money. I'm good with what I've got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two different mindsets. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, I kind of go back to nature always seeks increase. It always seeks to express more of who I am, more of what we are. Yeah, mm -hmm. Growth is natural in nature and growth requires energy. And in this world that we live in, yeah, money is one of the growth mechanisms uh, or one of the fuels for the growth that uh, we aspire to. I like to share that with people that money is not good nor bad. It only amplifies what already is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, ex it, it flows as an expression of the current state. It amplifies what already is. Um, I'm curious, especially with some of the work that maybe you've done with family offices and maybe some of the work that you've done with some of the, um, you know, investors and things like that, who have that level of wealth, how in tune are they to some of these principles that you, that we're speaking about? It's kind of a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it truly is. Uh, when we start getting into third generation, not so much second generation in these family office structures, the mm -hmm. third generation now there's a you know that's been the wealth has been there for a long enough period that there's a sense of entitlement that starts to creep in in mm -hmm. some of the conversations and behaviors. So there needs to be a greater for the sake of what that we're using our wealth for, mm -hmm. and it's not just to maintain our lifestyle because that's where mm -hmm. entitlement comes in. But if there's a bigger for the sake of what, that we can you know, applaud this you know, applaud this energy, bless this energy in service of this greater for the sake of what, mm -hmm. that starts to transform uh, how these family offices, these wealthy, wealthy, wealthy billion dollar family offices uh, actually begin to look at where they direct their energy mm -hmm. yeah, it, uh, slash monies. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is a mindset shift. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and part of the difficulty uh, in working with some of these family structures or family system, family offices um, is the, the notion of a center of distribution versus a center of accumulation. And centers of accumulation tend to want to hold on to things. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not talking about being crazy, silly, about you know, just kind of throwing stuff out to the wind, but I am talking about being judicious about where am I in, what's the greatest impact that this wealth can have? I get to, I get to direct, and this is, this is the, uh, the, the great beauty of, of having a family office is I get to direct this immense resource to make something happen out there. And is that something generative? That we can, that we as a family can really get behind and feel good about. Uh, you know, it's yeah, questions of legacy and everything else start to come into play here. But yeah, it's uh, mm -hmm. 
great wealth has it's interesting it doesn't have any distinctions outside of having more money than folks that don't have great money they're mm-hmm. the same it's all a relationship and if people's relationship with money isn't squared away it shows up regardless of where you are on the on the wealth spectrum i um have started to get get to know some family offices recently just in my journey of mm-hmm. um in raising a venture fund and i can even feel it sometimes when i'm talking with the people whether it's the actual family themselves or even if it's just the whomever is their manager or their allocator Mm -hmm. um you can kind of tell the difference between a family that is clutching and they're like we don't want to become you know like we're going to do things the way that we've always done and and you see that like the, the original money was made in some sort of industrial way and they're looking for industrial things to invest in and it comes from a space of being of constriction we don't know you know, we're going to do what we've always done because this is the way we've always done it. And we're trying to preserve and preserve and preserve because we want to make sure we have enough for ourselves and we have enough for our next generation, but there's not a lot of expansiveness. And then, and then you sometimes run into um, families as well as, you know, maybe their managers who are like, Hey, you know, like, I know that the family originally made their money in, you know, oil or whatever, but I promise you, like, they're really really looking to expand. They want to get into these other areas. They're interested in data. They're interested in global health. And it's like, they start selling to me, the fund manager, because, which is fascinating, but you know, they're looking for opportunities to, mm-hmm. to put money to work in an expansive way. And it's, it's very different. And being in a room, you can feel the difference between the different yeah. investors and That's kind of energy. pick like you, I want involved you guys really nice. We can hang, but you're not the right yeah. energy for what we're we're doing here, which yeah. is, you know, you're going to be looking for what kind of returns are you generating, you know, like invest in real estate or something, you know, because yeah. this is, you know, this is global health equity and impact and it's going to be high returning, but it's not going to be the same. And families who say, I want to be a part of it, you know, yeah. and it's like understanding, you know, my work is of high service and I want other people who are aligned with that and who want their to put their money to work in a way of high service high service yeah yeah Yeah. for me and this kind of goes full circle back to you know your question about tell me who you are what you're up to Mm -hmm. Uh, my perspective on business is that the purpose of business is to create the possibility of thriving on the planet that's the purpose of business create the possibility of thriving and if we're doing that well we're going to be you know in business for quite a period of time and we're going to be making a fair amount of money did you but go to Landmark? Book? I'm curious. Did you ever Did go to I Landmark? go to Landmark? No, yeah. I, I predated You say Landmark. create the possibility. You use a lot of phrases that I'm like, yeah, I think you went to Landmark. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually predate them by, oh, okay. by some way, but I, I know all, I know everybody there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue yeah. on. Create the possibility so, but, of thriving yeah, But that whole idea yeah. of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, possibility to thrive, just the possibility mm-hmm. to thrive. And if businesses are doing that well, as opposed to we need to make a profit to satisfy our shareholder in the yes. quarterly, yeah, in the next quarterly's yes. uh, payout. Um, two very distinct mindsets. Mm-hmm. And you know, one is a much longer term. In the work that I do with some of my clients, you know, from a leadership perspective, I will invite them to create a thousand year vision for themselves and for their company. Now their company mm-hmm. and themselves are not gonna be around in a thousand years. But the idea of working with a thousand year vision typically takes the ego 
out of the conversation mm -hmm. because there is a recognition that I, this corporeal me, is not going to be around. So then the only question I'm left with is what am I generating? What am I causing? What mm -hmm. am I what kind of movement? And what's that movement in service of? Yeah. I think about that a lot. What are you at cause for? Yeah. What are you the cause of? And, you know, and that's, yeah. that's why I asked you if you were in landmark, because that's something, you know, we learn to be at cause of something, at cause. And yeah. create that possibility, you know, but if you don't know what it is and, you know, and that's how you create a future that doesn't look like your present right. and it's not a mirror of your past, exactly. but you know, the end. And so um, I want to go through, I want one last piece of wisdom from you before we wrap everything up. What would you say to somebody who is, you know, maybe an entrepreneur or maybe they just, they know that there's more in them in the, in their financial world. They know they want to have a better financial experience than they're having today. And there's a disconnect. What would you tell that person? What kind of advice would you give them? What yeah. would you, what would people have to pay you your hourly <laughs> rates to learn <laughs> that could, that you could share with them in a couple minutes? Okay. Um, the, the probably the best thing that I can do for a young entrepreneur that's getting started and is wrestling with this money thing is find somebody that has actually cracked the code mm -hmm. in, in yeah not not totally perhaps but somebody like you as an example yeah somebody that has got a mindset that is something that you would like to emulate yourself hook yourself up with them and ask them to be a mentor for you mm -hmm. and yeah you don't have to do this by yourself I mean changing the mindset that we have by ourselves is bloody difficult work because our eyes look out, our ears point out, everything mm -hmm. points out. We don't see ourselves. And yes. yeah, 95% are studies after yes. you know, study after study on this. But by the time we're 30 years of age, 95% of our behavior is dictated and generated by a subconscious mindset. 95% of our behavior is generated by a subconscious mindset. Mm -hmm. We don't know what that is. And we can't know what that is until somebody points it out. Someone else shows us. Yeah. And once it's pointed out, then I get to make some choices. And they typically are kind of small incremental choices where I start you know, shifting the trajectory. And if I've got a long-term plan, I mean, a one degree shift in where I'm moving will end up being a significant shift 10, 15, 20 years down the road. I mm -hmm. mean, it will be an enormous vector from where I started out. But I, you know, if I've got a mentor that can guide me, if I can give a, you know, and it may not be just in one domain, you know, mm -hmm. but find people that uh, are doing already and being already what you aspire to do and be, and then find ways to work with them. Yeah, I would say to make yourself your own inquiry, like be in constant inquiry of your own self. Yeah. And, and always for me, I think one of the biggest, hardest lessons I had to learn was I am 100% responsible for every single <laughs> thing in my life. Everything. And, you know, even, you know, I don't get to put, put the blame out on any other person or any oh. other circumstance or anything. It is always my responsibility, you know, and sometimes yeah. it's hard for me to take that responsibility, yeah. but if you're yeah. constantly inquiring yourself, why is it that I keep avoiding to do this thing? You know, stuff like that. Those um, sort of questions. Yeah. I had a teacher, I have friends that we talk with and we discuss these things. Um, yeah. This is something that it, that's very normal. And when I started to do this with people and I started to really experience major shifts and I've been doing it for a long time, I started to notice, you know, some of people who were like me also had people 
like them. And we were all, you know, we're all yeah. teaching each other. And it's like little chat threads and whatever like yeah. that. But yes, exactly. And it, but you keep it current. The yeah. conversation becomes the relationship. And the relationship that I have with money, I have to have a conversation. I, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, the conversation I have about money and with money shows up in the money I have. Yeah, just like any relationship. Yeah. You can't yeah. have not you can't you can't not have conversations about your romantic partner relationship either. Exactly. And the conversations yeah. that you have or don't have will show up in that relationship with your partner. Absolutely Perfect. for sure. Well, I would love to have people connect with you. Um, what would you where would you like to point people towards if they'd like to learn more about your work? There okay. is a, a much more work that Blaine does outside of just these um, money energetics, but I wanted to discuss this because I ran the topic by a few people and everyone was fascinated <laughs> to talk about it. So um, where would you like to yeah. um, direct people toward? Um, probably the, you know, all of the uh, social platforms, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, yeah, present yeah, there yeah, mm-hmm. at Blaine Bartlett. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, most immediate would be my website, BlaineBartlett.com, mm-hmm. and also my podcast, The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Okay. Yeah. Both I of those link, would be uh, very useful. I will link those in the show notes. Um, so there you guys have it. I am so thrilled to have gotten this opportunity to sit down and talk with Blaine Bartlett about this very important topic that I think everyone needs to talk about and start talking about it immediately because you will experience the benefits and the rewards in your financial life and your relationship with money um, guaranteed. Um, So that is today's episode of Adventurous and we will see you all on here for the next one. Tune in on all major podcast platforms and head over to the Adventurous YouTube channel for our video version. You can also listen to our podcast on our website at adventurouspodcast.com. If you found value in this podcast, please empower your community by sharing. Leave a comment, like, review, and subscribe. See you next time, adventurers.